not Brother Jerry. I was expecting him. And that'll do all this. Maybe that'll work. Okay. You know, I was thinking that you could have sung that a little bit more and you got out of this. <laughs> I thought Brother Barry was going to do that, but I'm telling you, I don't know if it's just that spot right there, but when they're singing, I shut everything else out around me and I just look up. And that's what I just feel like I'm close to God. I'm not going to keep you long tonight. Um, <laughs> except a little bit longer than that. <laughs> no. Uh, as Brother Wooten was preaching this morning and all, and, you know, I've been thinking a little bit about this, and um, I asked God for a word for his people. And somehow it came around about that all w week I was thinking about it, and God had a plan. God had a plan in the beginning. God still has a plan. In Genesis 1-1, we all know it says, In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. And I was thinking about that in the very beginning, before anything else or anyone, God had a plan. And he started out, and I was thinking about that plan and, and the noun, the plan, there's a verb and a noun for it. And the, the noun for a plan is a detailed proposal for doing or achieving something an intention or decision about what one is going to do. God had every intention from the very beginning and knew exactly what he was going to do yeah, yeah. with each and every one of us that are here tonight, those that have come. The verb or the action part of that is a decide on and arrange in advance. Design or make a plan of something to be made or built. Not only did God have a plan, but God created and made everything. Genesis 2 and 3 says, did I give you that? I'm feeling like Brother Wooten now. I figure I can just do this. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. We don't know God's plan all the time, but God always has a plan and has us part of that plan. And no matter where it's going, he's always in control, even when we don't realize it and we may not know it. God is always in control and he has something good for us. Jeremiah 29, 11. I can give you that one. Okay. Okay, we're good. Jeremiah 29, 11, and tonight I switched things up a little bit on uh, Brother Riley there because I know I'm going to go with the King James Version, but I, pulled, I thought I'd make it easier for him because he uses the NLT. But apparently we're not on that page yet. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, 
They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. For I know the plans I have for you, he says, plans for us to prosper and not harm us, but to give us hope. I may have shared some of this with some of you before, but in 1978, I was in the Air Force, and I was stationed at Columbus Air Force Base, and uh, I worked, I was a crew chief, I worked on one and two jet engine aircraft, at the time I was working on T-38s, which are trainers, President Jimmy Carter was in office, and we were training Iranian student pilots, um, and January of 1978, I bought a 1978 Ford Pinto. Sounds a lot like Brother Wooten. I, the one I had was blue. It had a stick shift. It was, it was powder blue. It had a hatchback. I thought, you know, I was in high cotton because I was 20 years old, and I had a wife, and, you know, we were expecting a child, and I was in the Air Force, and but... Uh, and it was $29.95, brand spanking new. <laughs> I had a daughter that was born January 12th of 1978. And uh, at the base, we had a wall locker on the side of the building. It had our tools in, and we were issued tools every day to do our maintenance on the planes and stuff. And there was also this huge roll of bird's eye diaper cloth. That diaper cloth was used, we'd pull some off and you take your knife and cut it and we use that to clean the windscreens or windshields where I'm from on the aircraft after each and every flight. When they came back, we'd run out, park them, inspect them and do a thorough flight on them and everything and we'd check everything out and make sure. It was just like a service station. We kicked the tires, we checked the tires, we checked the oil washed the windshield, we looked in the cockpit for any foreign objects, if you know what I mean, some pilots got a little, they had that bag, but a lot of times when they're in the air, they couldn't hit the bag. Uh, so we had cleanups and stuff. Well, it was like vacuuming and cleaning out the thing. Um, and I'm fixing to tell you something that some of you may think is a little out there, but when I was in the service, I was, uh, I just made in March of 78, I just made my first strike. I was an E-2, an airman, $365 a month. That was all. And so we had this, uh, well, that was way before Pampers and Huggies and all that was ever invented. I'm telling how old Brother Wooten and them are now because they're boys. But anyway... <laughs> Anyway, so I had this idea that I would pull off some of that diaper cloth and I took it home. <laughs> and back then, the cloth diaper cloth had a stamp on it and it was purity or something, I think, if that's the way you pronounce it. Sister Joel, if you know, you, uh, okay. <laughs> but anyway. But so I, put, I said to myself, I said, self, I can take some of this diaper cloth home and I can maybe make diapers for my child. So I pulled it off. I took it home. And those diapers that you buy at the store were thin. You could almost read through them. 
but that's why they fold them in half before they fix them in that little pattern that you put on with the safety pins that some people in here today might not ever seen one but I took it home and I got one of her diapers and laid out it was a clean diaper I, I got one clean one I laid it out and I measured and I cut it off and I said if I put two of them together it'll be twice as good and so I got the sewing machine and I sewed around the edge there and I even got Sister Joyce, you'll appreciate this. I got pinking shears. See, I know what them are, them scissors that have teeth like alligator, and they cut around the edge of it. I made it look like store-bought. It was, had everything but the stamp on it. I could have stamped it with my stamp that the military gave me with my last name and last four on it, Dr. K. I could have had it right there, and I could have had a patent on that probably. But I decided against that. I said, because I talk slow, but I'm not stupid. I didn't want my name on anything that could be traced back to me. <laughs> but anyhow, one evening I was working late, and uh, I drove home, and I fell asleep at the wheel. I had a car wreck. It was, I just, I got off work at 11 o'clock and uh, went to my supervisor's house for 15, 20 minutes, and I went home fell asleep, and I had a wreck. I hit a, a power pole and went out in a cotton field. No other vehicles involved, and uh, I broke my neck. The, the little bone, I'm not medical, Sister Cindy can probably tell you, but the little bone that sticks out when you hold your head over, I broke it just above there, that C5, 6 or something, but anyway. So that when I come to and I wake up, there's chief master sergeant standing there at the emergency room and tells me, Lot, get up. You got a mandatory training class this afternoon. And the doctor told him he's not going to that. He said, in fact, he flew further than the Wright brothers' first flight when he come out of the car and landed on his neck. The car was so new, it took the insurance company months to figure out what to give me. Eventually, they finally settled, and it was $34.95. I made out, but I didn't really make out that good. I had a broke neck. But to, I said all that to say that God had a plan, even then. I didn't know. I wasn't aware that some years later, God would call me and that, that I would answer that call, but even when I thought I knew what God wanted, God was still in control. He was in charge. I mean, when I looked at the, they showed me the light pole that was broke, and they showed me the hatch on the back of that car. There was one bolt holding it because it was twisted around. It was just, you would have thought no way anyone could walk away from that. I was in the hospital three days three days with a cervical collar. And God still knew what he was doing even when I didn't. Three days and them, t them talking and I could hear people saying this and that and other. I didn't lose any motion. I was able to walk. 
talked, I got up, I left, and God's hand was upon me all the way through it all. God knows what he has and what his plan is for you. Jeremiah 1.5. That's your cue. Okay. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. God knew each and every one of us before we were formed, even before our parents knew about it, even before they named us, they came up with names for us. God knows all things. He's still in control. It's not by accident or mistake, as much as the devil would like for people to believe it is, that you are that. It's not true. Second Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The NLT says it like this, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish, so he gives us more time for everyone to repent. I'm glad to know that I, you never have to worry about God keeping his promise or his word. Used to a man's handshake was his bond. If he would tell you something, you could count on it. You could take it to the bank, so to speak. You could bet the farm on it. If someone said that I'll be there at such and such a time, you know, I think a lot of times now that the military had something to do with some of uh, punctuality and, and being on time because you had to be at a certain place at a certain time. Well, back in the day, I can remember when people would speak and say something to you, they would be there. You didn't have to go and say, well, I wonder if they're really going to show up. I really need them tomorrow. I've got to do this. It was, uh, it was something you could count on. Today, if somebody says anything, you have to have a contract. If they tell you something, you better get it in writing now. That's how our world has turned and how it's changed, and it's gone a different way. But with God, we can stand on his promises that cannot fail. Evangel, God had a plan, or, or Hicks Chapel, whatever, however far back you want to go, God had a plan, and he still has that plan. Many people have come through these church doors and have gone other places and gone other ways. But I tell you, I firmly believe that the church has not seen nothing yet. I believe that God still has that plan, and the plan is still going to go forth. Whether we, as Brother Wooten preached, we get in, we lean in, we become part of that, and that love, that's up to us. But regardless, God is going to still go through. His plan is not going to fail. I believe we're on the edge of a revival, this church. All the prophecy, all the words spoken over, all the things that have been said before, those things are still going to come. I might not see it. You may not see it. But I believe that as, it was, as it's been given by God, it'll be so. God knew that fear in 2019 would come upon a lot of people. God had a plan. 
2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or, or timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Isaiah 41.10, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. I will. God will. He is. He's in charge. He's still in control. We have to lean on him. We have to trust him. We have to depend upon God. God knew that we would that at some point in time you'd become thirsty. He had a plan. Isaiah 44:3 says, "For I will pour out I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground." You may be so dry that we need a drink of water, but we need more than that. And God's word says, I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy offspring. Isaiah 58 and 11, and the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought. When we're thirsty, we can go to the well of living water. He'll make fat thy bones. I'm representing you. He'll make fat our bones. Thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. When that, it's just like when we plant food plots and you can tell when it gets enough water, it, spring, it jumps. If it gets a little rain, it'll jump. Same way with a garden. If that garden gets the water it needs, the vegetables will come forth. It'll bloom. It'll prosper. It'll go. God knew that we, you would get tired. And some would even want to give up. But God had a plan. The devil would have you to believe that where you are, you have to stay. But that's a lie. He's still telling lies. And only people who will believe that is the ones that he'll, that only the ones that will listen to him are the ones that he's after. When we do falter and stumble, God is a loving and caring and just God. He's ever caring. He's faithful concerning his people and his promises. Isaiah 40, 26 and 31. Look up into the heavens who created all stars. Not some, but all of them. On a clear night, when you go out and look at the stars, there are too many to count. He brings them out one after another. And get this, he calls each by name. And he counts them to see that none are lost or have strayed away. O Israel, instead of Israel, we can put our name right here. How can you say the Lord does not see your trouble? How can you say God refuses to hear your case? Have you never heard or understood? Do you know that the Lord is the Lord is? The everlasting God, the creator of all earth, he never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. He gives power. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers. He doesn't force it on you. He doesn't make you take it. He offers strength to the weak. Even youths will become exhausted, and young men will give up. 
But those who wait on the Lord, they shall and will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. God has a plan. Even when we're not even aware of it. I remember in 2008, I believe, Rebecca had come to the VA to work, had just gotten divorced. And uh, in 2007, she got divorced. But anyway, it came to the VA in 2007, some July of 2007. But I'm, I'm failing you now. I'm having to make sure you date. I'm stumbling a little bit here, but I'm telling you. July 2007, she graduated nursing school, came to the VA, and uh, anyway, she said she wasn't never getting married again. And like brother, like Dr. K, I, w I didn't want to get married again. I came from Alaska, was going back after my dad passed, but anyway. She was talking that around there, and this man, he was a janitor, Mr. Hamilton, and she, he told her, he said, don't say that. There's a man coming. She didn't realize there was a man coming. I didn't realize I was going to be that man. God had a plan, though. God had a plan. Not her plan, not my plan, but God's plan. And anyway... 13 years later, we're, we're part of that plan, and we're still trying to do God's plan. Yeah. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your paths. That's what we have to do. Just like we're having to do that with Hannah, you know. It's God's will. We want God's will in her life, in our lives, and help us to be, to step aside, not be controlling of that. Let God be that. I mean, all this that the pastor preached this morning is still, it's, it's right on time where we're at and what we need to be. We must trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding and submit to him in all of our ways. Just as God is keeping Hannah and protecting her, and that's our prayer, we pray that he keeps his hedge of protection around about our family daily and our church family. We're all praying for one another. We love one another. Hannah, God had a plan for you to aim high and be part of the Air Force. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Hannah has a unique opportunity to not only do great things for this nation and this country, but for God and at the expense of the government. The government will move her around every three or four years to another duty station. She has the opportunity to be a, a sort of like a missionary from evangel 
and sharing her life and her story with others. She's already done that when she was at uh, basic military training. There was girls there that she witnessed to and she talked to. A lot of times she may not see them come to Christ, but the seed is planted, and that's what we have to do. Some will plant, some will water, some will sow. But she's got to be about the Father's business, and that's what we, we want to make sure that we're keeping her there and before God. Psalm 32 and 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. I felt like that was for Hannah. God's going to guide you. We can't no longer. But he's going to show you the best pathway. Chastity, God had a plan for you. Them tests you were taking and all, and you felt impossible and all this. When you were weary, drawn down and out, God had a plan. God was that plan. And the only thing that keeps coming to me, it came to mind, was the Waymaker song. I mean, he's a Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Even when you didn't see it or feel it, God was with you. God was doing it. He's a light in the darkness. My God, that's who he is. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. God's still working. He never gives up. He never stops. That's the, what the last of it says. He never stops. He never stops. Even when we stop, he never stops. And bitterness, that's a tough pill to swallow. It's hard. But God has a plan for bitterness. Hebrews 12, 14, and 15. Okay. Very first. We have to try to live in peace with everyone and seek to live a clean and holy life. I don't know what that one is. We're all right, though. We're good. <laughs> the very first word I'm getting on this is try. We have to try. God doesn't expect us to, we're going to do it. It's going to be easy. We have to try with everything in us. Live a clean, holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. If we're not living that life, look after each other so that none of you will miss out on that special favor of God. Watch out that no bitter root of unbelief rises up among you. For whenever it springs up, many are corrupted by its poison. It was like Brother Wooten this morning. He was preaching all around this and, and everything. And, and, some of, and I kept thinking, Lord, what am I to do? I said, he's going he's gonna to preach it all. What am I going to do? But... I believe that it was just confirmation, and this is for somebody. Bitterness robs you of every, say every, every. It robs you of every good gift that God wants to give you. Bitterness. We can't be crippled by bitterness. If we continue in bitterness, it'll be like a thorn in our side, and we won't be able to be all that we can be for God nor will we be able to ever receive all that God has for us. Only by God's grace will, be, will we be able to get rid of the bitterness and get it past. Ephesians 4, 
30 and 31. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he is the one who has identified you. He's identified us as his own, guaranteeing you, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Get rid of the bitterness. That's easier to say and read than it is to do. In Genesis 45, 14, and 15, it talks about Joseph. If ever anyone had a right to be bitter, Joseph had a right to be bitter. His family sold him, gave him away, did these things to him and all. And then, you know, one day they come to him and they're needing something from him. And they didn't recognize him, but he did them. And I, I didn't realize that as much until I heard uh, Brother Kevin Ham at uh, Gardendale bringing that up. And I began to sit there and listen and think about that. And I remember that a brother of mine back in June, we had a falling out. Nothing I did. I didn't do it. It was all him. But nevertheless, he sent me a text and said, this will be the last text you get. Because we were talking on the phone and he raised his voice, him being in the Navy. And I raised my voice to, to get over him because I'm older. And it was about my dad's house and all. But anyway, nevertheless, he eventually just hung up and he sent a text and said, this will be the last text you get from me. And he was true to his word. That was in June. And so I didn't worry too much about it. And then my sweet mother-in-law would uh, told me that I need to reach out to him. And I was at the point, I was kind of like Joseph and his brothers came. If I'd have been Joseph, I'd have said, hmm, you want some bread or something to eat? I ain't got nothing for you. Well, I wanted to do him that way. And I was washing my hands because I'd reached out to him two or three times, and nothing, nothing. And I even told my baby brother who would contact me, I said, tell him that, hey, that's all in the past. I don't care. I, I was over it the next day. It didn't matter to me. He still wouldn't send anything. So I began to pray, and I had to let go. I said, not my will, but God's will. And when I began to pray, I didn't pray, God, touch him that he'll open up to me or, or that we'll get close because he was military he retired 30 years in the navy i retired in the military we we had that bond that connection and i heard from him every day up to that point and so i just prayed god for his soul not that me and him would begin to talk again and all but for his soul and for my youngest brother for their soul and when i did that christmas eve night he sent me a text, and he said, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Well, I told my mother-in-law that I was washing my hands of it. I had reached, I tried, and I was done. And she said, give him another chance. Try it again. Try it again. Don't give up. And what came to me was God didn't give up on me. Yeah. Yeah. How many times did it take for him 
that he would try to do something, and I've not, not, not. But God didn't give up. But my brother, he just said, Merry Christmas to you all. Hope your new home is coming well. And that's all he had. But that was a start. That was good. But my main concern is about the soul. I love him. He's my brother. He's blood. I have two left. One's already died and gone. And uh, I think about this church and the mission, the love we have to show. And like the word said, if we don't live a holy, clean life before others that aren't holy, they're not going to see Christ. But they need to see the Lord in us. Barry, if you'll come. I liked another thing that Brother Kevin said. He said, life is too brief to take a grudge to the grave. And that hit me between the eyes. I mean... Life is too brief to take a grudge to the grave. He said, there will always be a scar, but behind every scar is an amazing story of God's grace. And you know, it's like Brother Wooten preached this morning, people have said things about us, they've hurt us, they've hurt us beyond that that we feel like that we couldn't get by. And you and I can. It's only by the grace of God that we can get through it. And how am I to make it if I can't forgive my brother? You know, the shoe was the other way around. I'd want to be forgiven. I want God to forgive me. Every day I stumble and fail, I want God to forgive me. Everything that I don't bring honor to his name. I want God to forgive me that I do better. People, a lot of people are going to be making a lot of promises in New Year's resolutions. But the only thing that I can hope for this year is that I draw a little bit closer to God. I believe that we're living in the last time. I believe that it's short. If I look at things around me, God's got to come back soon. He's got to send Jesus to take us home. This world can't stand much more. It can't get much worse. I want to, I believe that. But sure as you would say that, then something would come up to show that it is. It's like, you know, Brother Wooten bring it up this morning about somebody. And I think the guy got killed in a, the bomber or something, got killed in a truck or explosion or something on a bridge. The one that blew up in Nashville, I thought it said. But just when you try to look at things, God wants us to look up, not to look around us. And that's where we begin to lose sight. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, I know tonight 
that you're in control, you're in charge. Father, I know you have a plan. God, I know that you have a plan for each and every one of us. And Lord, I pray that we would draw closer to you and we would learn more of that plan and be a part of that plan and yield ourselves to you for the fullness of your plan for us. God, for this church, Lord, I pray that you would help us to reach the lost at any cost. God, that's easier said than done. Lord, some have lost it all, but God, I pray tonight that you would help us to reach others so that none may perish, but that they would all come to know you. And I firmly believe tonight, Lord, that we're to try to win all we possibly can for your glory, not to receive more stars to our crowns, but God, that you be exalted in all things. God, tonight, we praise you. I worship you with all that is within me. God, I'm just your vessel. God, I just want to be touched by God, afresh and anew. God, I pray tonight for this church that it would be more than a light on a hillside, but God, that we would be workers and doers of the Word of God. I praise you for these that have come out tonight, Father. Your people called by your name. And Lord, I know that you can do all things but fail. Lord, you've never failed me. Not once, not even close. And God, you loved me when I was unlovable. And God, you're still doing more and more for me than I deserve. God, I thank you that I'm able to call you my Lord and King. Father, tonight I pray for these that are here, the needs. God, that you would begin to move upon their hearts and souls. God, that you would stir up the gift in them and the Spirit of God. Those that need healing, Lord, that you would begin to touch. And Father, I praise you for your words tonight. And Lord God, may they stir our hearts like never before. Lord, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are needs. And I wait upon you. We give it all to you now. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you will stand. If you have a need or you desire prayer tonight, God has it in his hands. He has full control. It's only 7 o'clock. I'm letting you out earlier than Brother Wooten does. But we still have time for God. So while he sings, we're going to wait a few minutes on you and on God. i 
Oh, God. 